Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today, we've got Colin Brister for our Sunday SEC baseball conversation. We covered the Rebels being swept at Vanderbilt what it means, how far behind the eight ball they actually are, what to do about a precarious pitching situation, and how much to ring the alarm bells offensively after a uh, tough weekend all around for Ole Miss uh, up there in Nashville to start SEC play. Um, just college baseball, so we the Ole Miss women's basketball team obviously had a huge win over Stanford last night. We recorded this before that game went underway. I'll have a women's basketball segment actually on the pod hopefully Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll kind of see how that schedule shakes out. But just a heads up, only baseball on this one as we do per usual on most Sundays. But we'll have some women's basketball content for you a little bit later in the week. Before we get to the show, though, I wanted to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you're in March Madness and you're not using Skybox, you're probably having to pay out the bookie today. Don't recommend what I do recommend using Skybox Sports Picks. They're the only way to profit in the long run. They hit well over 60% in college hoops every year. It is their bread and butter. That is the best, strongest point of their algorithm. You need to check them out. Just go online. Their March Madness package is out on the site. You can use it next weekend. Try to rebound for the Sweet 16. Just go on there, snag it, use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll give you 20% off. You can use Skybox for pretty much any sport you want to. They've got um, some NBA playoff stuff coming up. They will have, they've got the NASCAR package on the site, and then, of course, football season will be here before you know it. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Rights subscriber, that's rippyrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats right now. It's three six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks just for subscribing to a free newsletter. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meat. They got all kinds of sausages, fresh seafood. I like the tri-tips. Filet burgers are always a nice place to go to. Check them out. Find your own favorites. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here's Colin Brister on the Rebels being swept at Vandy. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. SEC play is among us. Uh, I don't know if anyone alerted Ole Miss that it had started, but uh, we are one weekend through SEC play. This is really kind of when things pick up. You start to learn a whole hell of a lot more about all sure. the teams in the league uh, and do so, you know, usually pretty quickly. And I think we learned a decent bit about Ole Miss this weekend. It was more the confirmation of some stuff. But uh, what's up? How's the baseball going on your end? Um, So so you're right. T- tough weekend for the Rebels. However, there are two teams that had tougher weekends than the Rebels. Do you know who those are? That would be the Mississippi State Bulldogs and the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, yeah. So at least, like, you know, when Ole Miss walks away and they're like, hey, we got swept this weekend. They got swept by a team that played for the national title three years ago and won it four years ago or whatever. Uh, they did not get sweet, swept by the University of Kentucky or the University of Missouri. So I'm going to I'm going to put that uh, that feather in my hat and at least appreciate that. But, no, Ole Miss, uh, I actually went and looked. Do you know when the last time Ole Miss got beat this badly on a weekend was? I mean, was it Tennessee last year? No, no, it wasn't even close. 
Um, and I, I that kind of shocked me because if you remember the Sunday game against Tennessee was like a one run game. Oh, so you're talking sheer run differential. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um they have been swept. Um, I'll give you this tidbit. They've been because I went look, they've been swept, if my math is right, twelve times since two thousand and ten, which is actually kind of impressive that it's only twelve sweeps since two thousand and ten. I think I might they've have been a guess swept. then. Okay. No, but sorry, finish your stat. Just don't spoil it. I think I might have a, a off the wall. Oh, oh no, that's, that that's just what I'm saying. It's it's been it's been twelve. They've been swept twelve times since 2010, which again, kind of impressive that it's only twelve. I felt like it would have been more than that. Yeah, I'm with you. So, 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 so do you... my initial guess it was going to be 16 South Carolina. That was nope. a team that got swept three times but swept four. And then my other one was going to be the 20. No, 14 didn't get swept by South Carolina. Never mind. I, now no. I, I don't have a guess. That ruined my guess. All right. Uh, South Carolina in 2016 beat Ole Miss. They combined 18 to six. Okay. That's 12 runs. Ole Miss lost the run differential by 23 runs this weekend. And if you remember, um, they didn't actually get all the outs on Thursday. So it yes. could have been actually worse. Um, the last time that they were beaten this badly by t- more than 23 runs in a sweep uh, was Auburn in 2010 when we were both in high school. That's Denson probably I have no Bath. recollection of that happening. <laughs> I actually do, and here's why. Um, they were playing Auburn to win the West, and the first game was on my birthday, my junior year, and I'm like, hey, let's go. So, so me and some buddies went and sat in right field, and uh, Ole Miss did not win the baseball game that day um they got murdered so uh that's how i spent my 17th first birthday it was a lot of fun um but yeah no that's uh it's the most uncompetitive weekend um for Ole Miss in 13 years so not great um thankfully they they still won the 2022 national championship but uh for the start of the 2023 sec slate definitely not great no not what you want and there's a number of different ways to go with this. I have one more quick side note. I don't know if we've created a monster that we we were now unable to tame, but because of us poking fun at uh, Tennessee and Tony Vitello, um, I was I was on all in basketball today. I watched zero SEC baseball today. Just kind of was like, ah, I'm gonna enjoy the college hoops, have a good time with it. Blah blah blah. Um, our our friend Coach Vitello got ejected from the game uh, in the sixth <laughs> inning in a sweep against Missouri. And we found out pretty quickly. I, I got tagged in at least four tweets. I know you were in uh, co- at least a couple of them, but the the listeners in the community out there are on it. If our guy slips up, we don't even have to actually be monitoring him to hold him accountable because we will hear about it very quickly. Did you notice this too? Uh, yes, and I appreciate this. Anything uh, – I will say this. I don't have – and maybe you, maybe you do, but I don't have much disdain for like Rick Barnes and their basketball team. I was rooting for them actually yesterday. But their football team and their baseball team can I, I have no use for. So anytime anything uh, bad happens to the University of Tennessee football or baseball, please please tweet me, um, tag me in it. I would like to um, I would like to be able to see that if at all possible. I actually just pulled up Vitello um, getting ejected. Yeah, he uh, this will shock you. He he is acting like a four year old child. He did the thing. I, I, this annoys me. He did the thing where he gets ejected. Oh, actually, never mind. This, this, I'm looking at the wrong video. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not a shock that Tony Vitello acted like a seven year old and got run. 
I'll be honest. I don't know if you know this. I, I was told this recently. It's very hard for an umpire to eject you. Like, you've got to do some stuff to get run in college baseball. Coach-wise, not player. Player pretty yeah, sure. Yes, not player. Co- Coach-wise, it is hard to get run. Uh, yes, it absolutely is, and he seems to be making a habit of it. I mean, credit to him. I guess in some ways it's a baller move. He just has made it very known. He does not give a shit about the fine. Just <laughs> Mike's whatever. Take my t- I think it's 10K. Take my 10K. Because Mike always used to say that he didn't – I mean, I say always used to say. I think we asked him jokingly about it once or twice. He's like, I don't want to get fined. Why, why am I going to get mad Give and then give them my money on top of it, which is another way to think about it. Apparently, Mr. Vitello just is like, no, nah, I don't care. Yeah, they pay me enough. So, uh, I think Mike's been run two times in 10 years, and they were the it, same year. I was about to say, toward the beginning of his tenure, if I remember correctly, if not that it happened yeah, he would get run. super often, it would happen, you know, more than once every blue moon. or And he, I think he's really tried to cut down on that of of late. Um, maybe the fines increased. I don't know. We could do a deep dive or a long form on that one. But I did find it humorous that as soon as he got tossed, because there was not much time it transpired, um, we were alerted pretty quickly. So thank you to all the vigilantes out there. Please, uh... Please keep that up. Now, kind of to the subject at hand, as far as Ole Miss is concerned, I'm glad you led with that stat um, starting off the podcast in terms of, like the last time they've been beaten that bad. And there's varying degrees to like how it uh, – like the eye test versus what actually happened. Like, yes, Ole Miss got absolutely smashed this weekend. There's no and ifs or buts about it. They weren't really competitive. They were really stifled by Vanderbilt's pitching but for some reason at the point in which they were swept by Tennessee last year that felt more demoralizing and I don't know if you knew one weekend's or two weekends more worth of stuff about the team remember or was that second weekend I guess it was second weekend. Was, it was it was second weekend yeah. so just they one won their weekend. first season in Auburn yeah yeah I got that in Kentucky confused because they went to Kentucky next week right. for whatever reason and this may not make much sense at all but that one just felt worse because they got the yeah. door- off them in the two games those games were early over on where this one because of how stifled they were at the plate it was more lopsided but it didn't feel as non-competitive like you were almost questioning if Ole Miss like belonged well, in the same field as Tennessee last year does that make any sense at all even yeah statistically worse well, and part of it was where it happened uh um, yeah. getting you know getting your face beat in at Swayze is not an easy play easy thing to take um because you know, for, for some of the flaws that Ole Miss baseball has had over the years, that's not one. Like, usually home regular season series, they show up for. Um, and, and last year, that certainly wasn't the case. So, yeah, I, I get that. And, look, if you watch those three games, um, the three cats Vanderbilt ran out were pretty good. I mean, oh, Carl man. Holton special. Uh, they, they were pretty good. I think what – there's two things that alarm you if, if, if you're an Ole Miss fan is, one – Yes, the pitching is not good, but here's what's scary, I think. Pitching was not good against a not good offense statistically coming into this weekend. That's alarming. Um, and, and certainly we'll see how they do in, in front of the home crowd when Florida rolls in next weekend. But when you talk about a team in Vanderbilt that frankly did not have a whole lot of offensive success against Loyola Marymount um, the week before. Now, they swept the series, but they didn't swing it overly well. Um, for them to have the amount of success they had against Ole Miss is while yes, Ole Miss is not where they need to be from a pitching standpoint, it shows you kind of right where they are. Um, and it's not a good place. The offense, I'll, I'll say this. The offense is allowed to have one bad weekend and, and they certainly had that this weekend. I'm not pressing the panic button on this offense just yet. Um, but it can't happen again. Like next weekend against a better staff, maybe. 
um, or at least just as good. We're talking about Hurston Waldrop and a kid on Sunday that throws 97 from the left side. Um, and then the Sprout one hit Alabama last weekend. Um, they're going to have to be better. So you're allowed the one, the, the one mulligan, um, you know, from an offensive standpoint for Ole Miss, but they can't have that type of weekend again and be successful in this league. I think that's well put. And I wanted to kind of ch- to chime in regarding the Vanderbilt being a bad offense going in. You're exactly right. For most of the non-conference slate, Vanderbilt had really struggled offensively, but I can't remember if it was game one or game two. The broadcast made a decent note, and I don't remember exactly what the changes were, but they talked about how after that weekend at Loyola or against Loyola Marymount, where they take two of three, but they win a two one game, a two nothing game, and then they lose nine to six on Sunday. They made some lineup changes, and that resulted in them scoring 15 runs against Belmont. And then, of course, what they did to Ole Miss this weekend, 12 8 and 7. I look, I don't know. I, I don't have a clue to pretend what Belmont is this year. I'm going to assume not strong. So I'm not going to point to you and try to bullshit you and say, hey, look, they scored 15 runs in the midweek once they've made these changes. Maybe they were just finding their form. But I also don't think, given what Vanderbilt run out, ran out there from a talent standpoint, that they were also as bad as an offense as their numbers showed going into that weekend. I think there's probably a little bit of middle ground there. And what's the best rest, What's the best diet or recipe or prescription, whatever you want to call it for that, for an offense that's trying to find itself? Uh, right now, face a pitching staff that doesn't have a lot of experience and a lot of put-away stuff. And that's really what this weekend turned out to be. I didn't think Ole Miss would get dominated offensively as bad as they did. I knew it would be a different type of challenge um, with three left-handers going against Vanderbilt, two of them that I knew about to some degree, they were pretty good. I was pretty impressed with the Saturday guy as well. But I think that was probably the more surprising aspect of this weekend is the offense being as off as it was. Because as much issues as Ole Miss does have pitching the ball, it kind of renders itself irrelevant, just like you saw in the last two games, where if you only score two runs apiece, like that's, or two runs and zero runs, it doesn't really matter, right? You could pitch it amazing, and you're still not going to have much of a shot. What was more surprising to you? Um, man, yeah, it's, it, I'm not sure. That's, that's a really good question. It's, it's just, it's unfortunate, right, that the offense has this weekend because, like, look, the hope is if you're an Ole Miss fan that, hey, they, they only scored, you know, seven on, on Saturday. Well, you know, we've said all year, hey, this team's going to abuse, you know, third game pitching, whether that's Saturday or Sunday. Um, and, and they just didn't. And so that's, that's the, that's the unfortunate part is this offense wasn't able to carry them to a win because man, the, the difference between starting this thing one and two and oh and three is significant. I don't think anybody would be upset too much if, you know, they found a way to win on Saturday. Uh, but you know, for, from an offensive standpoint, they just weren't able to get that done. Um, look, th- this offense, there's going to be days on, on, on third games of, of series where, hey, they give up seven runs. But the offense still needs to win the baseball game. Um, and, and they weren't able to get that done. And some of that is a credit to Vanderbilt and how good they were on the mound. Um, but it, it's just, uh, it's just unfortunate that, that Ole Miss played probably its worst weekend series in a long, long time, uh, to start SEC play. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought that stood out was like, you talk about how bad it was offensively and it's not just the run scored. I think it, probably what's a little more glaring. They only totaled 13 hits on the weekend, and if my math by hand really quick is correct, Calvin Harris had six of them. So you're talking about the other eight guys in your lineup on a given day. I know it wasn't eight guys because they made some changes, particularly to the Game 3 lineup on Saturday. Uh, combined for seven hits on the weekend. I mean, that's 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 pretty alarming. Again, we could go into it all day, one bad weekend, whatever, but that really stuck out to me because – 
I don't know. If you want to say there's one guy that doesn't have a hitting problem, Mr. Harris seems to be figuring it out okay. Yeah, no, he uh, he's a stud. And um, throughout, you know, Bradfield, um, I thought that was funny on Friday. Um, he's he's been really good in, in pretty much every facet of the game. Um, hitting over four or was hitting at 400 at one point this weekend. No, Cal Harris has been as good as advertised. Um, issue is some other guys have not been. Um, I will say this, uh, TJ McCants doesn't play, I believe, on Saturday. Have you heard anything about a, a, a pretty nasty shin bruise or something? Apparently that's going around as to why he maybe didn't play on Tuesday and Saturday. So um, I was going to ask you the same thing because he ended up coming in on Saturday to pinch hit at one point, um, but he didn't start. And, you know, Mike shook up the lineup after what was two pretty putrid offensive days to, to for the lack of a better word, to put it. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, Vanderbilt's throwing a lefty. McCants is a left-handed hitter. I was like, maybe that factors into it. I was going to ask you why that was the case. Granted, McCants was hitless in his previous two games, in the first two games of that series. But I was like, that surely can't just be a matchup thing. I think if just guessing, I listened to all three of Mike's pressers. He was not asked about it. That probably partially on me. I just didn't think to ask about it. I was filling in for Chase. Um but maybe a combination of both. Maybe the fact that they're throwing another lefty, you're trying to get a little more right-handed heavy lineup and the shin thing. Cause I, I was curious about that too. So my guess is a combination of both because he did miss Tuesday because of the shin issue. Um, if that's, I haven't heard of the shin piece of it. I just knew he missed it with the mild injury. I'm not, did you, where did you hear the shin piece? Is that a radio thing? Uh, I'm not sure. Somebody, two people texted me about it. Um, so I don't know if they heard it on radio or what. So, Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, maybe I'm just making that up. But I did have two people that I consider pretty knowledgeable text me about it. So I assume maybe DK said something about it. I don't know. No, I think um, you're right. I think that is the case. I just uh, – he definitely missed Tuesday's game for the injury. So maybe a combination there. I thought that piece of it was a little bit surprising there. I want to circle I, back I, to the- I struggle to think that they benched TJ McCants. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like, ah, I don't think he became a matchup guy because he went hitless in the first two games. I think that's probably a decently rational way of looking at it. But, hey, he was healthy enough to um, come in and pitch it later. So, again, maybe that's – again, I don't know. We're grasping at straws here. But I that would be my best guess is a combination of both. Give him a little rest and, hey, the fact that he struggled against two left-handers and they had a third one coming out there. So, anyway, whatever the case may be, I want to circle back to the pitching side of it real quick first because at this – at surface level right now, from an offensive standpoint, it was just one bad weekend. You mentioned them being, quote-unquote, as you put it, I think, allowed to have one bad weekend, but that can't really be the norm going forward or this team is going to be in deep trouble. I yeah. think the larger sample size of what's going to be a, a lingering issue for this team or has already been a lingering issue is the pitching. And you have Doherty run out there on uh, Thursday night in the opener. Doherty goes four innings. He allows 11 runs or excuse me, five earned runs, six total runs on 11 hits with four strikeouts and no walks. Is that I'm sitting there watching that game on Thursday night. They get out of the first inning with honest to God, if we're being, if we're being completely frank about it, some good fortune, right? A miracle. Yes, exactly. They, that first inning, Bradfield reaches on an error on kind of a trickyish play. That, but, that's um, real quick. That that's that's an issue that they were so bad on defense this weekend. Yes, that, now that, that, that can't was, happen. It, they they didn't have an error in the last two games. There were some miscues. Mm. There were some balls that went through on. Uh, they had they they screwed up a rundown. The fact that there weren't errors in the last two games should not hide the fact they were not sharp defensively. To underscore your point there, but you get in the first inning, you get 
a throwing error on Chatagnier, which actually was his first since like the second weekend of last year, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and then you had a single. So all of a sudden they got corners, no outs. And you get a double play on a rocket that was hit straight to Calarco, where it was kind of one of those things where not only does he catch it, but he catches it kind of sort of going towards the bag. And boom, Vanderbilt's just in a catch-22 there. And then you get a line out to end the inning. But it wasn't a ton of soft contact. And then you go through the second, and he dances around the second. Um, no, excuse me. He gave up the two-run home run in the second. Yeah. But they're kind of treading water a little bit. They answer a two in the top of the third, and then things really kind of go haywire in the th- in the bottom of the fourth inning. Malnado let off with a home run. You got a Bradfield double and a DS single and another single before you're out of it. And again, not a lot of this is soft contact. And it led me to, I don't know if you want to call this a hypothesis or a theory, but with Carter Holton on the other side, Jack Doherty is a perfectly useful pitcher for Ole Miss. He's pitched in some really big spots. He's pitched in a lot of big games. He had a great start in game one of the College World Series in which he cobbled together five innings, allowed them to get out to an early lead. But in terms of like a pure stuff standpoint, isn't there, wasn't there a pretty sharp discrepancy between the guy on the hill for Vanderbilt on Friday night and what Ole Miss had? And I think this theory to some degree extends to their entire pitching staff. But you talk about Doherty's pitch count just spiked so quickly. I mean, he made it four innings, and I think, if I remember right, I'm going to check it real quick, yeah, it was a 98-pitch outing in four innings. And they worked so many deep counts and so many – like the pitch count spiked so quickly. There just seems to be, particularly on the starting pitching staff, a lack of put-away stuff, maybe when Sonia's good, the, being the lone exception, that it just – I don't know. That stuck out to me on Thursday night. And while Doherty, again, is a perfectly useful pitcher for Ole Miss – the discrepancy on what other teams are going to run out there on Friday night versus what Ole Miss is until Elliott going to get back gets back is kind of jarring to me. Well, yeah. So so here's the thing, right? When you talk about this team, because it's impossible to avoid this, when you discuss where they are on Friday nights, right? If, if everything was right, uh, who would be starting on Friday nights for Ole Miss? Like, like it's, it's Hunter Elliott, right? You know, if he's healthy, Hunter yes. Elliott is the guy they run out there on Friday night. So, all right, well, if, like, going into, you know, ending last year in the College World Series, if they had told him this, hey, Hunter's going to be down for a little while, okay? Yeah, uh, who, who do you think is going to be on Friday nights after that? Probably Nick Pogue, right? Yes. Probably Nick Pogue, okay? After that, if they said, hey, you know, um, Nick Poe's going to go pro. Well, they're probably hoping that maybe Jackson Ferris gets to campus, right? Maybe he's the Friday guy. And after that, you know, maybe a guy like Josh Mallets is your Friday night guy. I think if they were honest with themselves, they think Jack Doherty is is a dominant closer that is being forced into a role that he's not um, best suited for. But they just don't have anybody else for that role. So, so, and, And people have asked this question. So it's like, hey, can, can you know, as it, Oma said, it's best with Jack on Friday nights. Here's the reality of the situation, just for me. You put anybody else on Friday nights at this point, you're conceding the game. I, I think that's, I think, look, I don't think there's anybody else on that roster right now that can go win on Friday nights. Maybe, maybe you disagree with me, and, and that's fine. But I think if you're going to have a shot on Friday nights, he's got to be your dude. So, yeah, you're right. Carter Holton versus him from a, from a stuff and repertoire standpoint not the same thing 
but he's the only option that you have right now because of just some bad luck and, and one guy going pro. It just kind of is, is what it is. Yeah, and again, I, you said that well because I didn't. I don't have like a like I pointed that out. Not necessarily even to it's, and I know you picked up on this too, but like not to even necessarily suggest that like, hey, they got to do something different. I just think it really kind of underscores the odd place that they're in because yeah. as you point out. There's nothing else they really can do. I mean, I think the one option, maybe if someone's out there listening in the car or whatever, sitting there thinking, what about Mason Nichols? And I, I, that would be the one other option. Yeah. But I guess the, the the argument against Nichols is really he's kind of a two-pitch guy, never done it before. But, like, if you were going to make a move, like if they put a gun to Mike's head and they're like, you have to change something right now, that'd be the only other feasible option, right? I mean, that also kind of – paints a picture of where they're at from that standpoint, but I guess I'll lead it to you. Why not Nichols? Uh, well, the, the, and, and I'd need to go see um, Trackman and Rapsodo and all of that to, to be uh, concise with this answer. But if, if the changeup's not where it needs to be, and I don't know if it is or isn't, uh, that's just simply not an option. You, you, you can't run the guy out there. That's only got two pitches on the, on the Friday night in the SEC. Um, but that would be only your other option. The issue is, do you, are you comfortable throwing a guy out there that's that's always closed and always been out of the bullpen into the the you know penultimate role of Friday night in the SEC? Um, and I know everybody's like, well, Jack Doherty did. Uh, okay, Jack Doherty started games in 2021. Jack Doherty started started games in 2022. Be a whole different scenario if you did that. Um, so I don't know. I I, I just. That, that that's not something. And then if you did that, are you going to move Jack back to the bullpen? Um, I I don't know. It's I just kind of think that they are where they are because of some bad luck and some bad fortune, and um, they're just going to have to kind of ride this until Hunter Elliott hopefully gets back. Which is why it's important that they win a couple of Sunday games by mashing the ball, even when the pitching's not great, and even give you a chance on Saturday because or game two, um, I, we're going to go back and forth on that terminology this year again. But that's that's also kind of another piece of it, too. It's like, okay, so they end up that, – that was a competitive game through what? I don't know. Get it through all the way, I guess, when Vandy put up the fourth spot in the sixth inning because it was a 3-2 game entering the bottom of the sixth inning. Vandy puts up the uh, – no, excuse me. Sorry, I have the wrong date up. That was uh, bad of me. Anyway, it, they get the six-run eighth inning, and the game ends on that on the 10-run rule. They tried to get Morrell – in to kind of hold it together a little bit, then it turns into can he just bridge you to the next day where you don't have to waste another arm, and then all of a sudden the game doesn't go to the ninth inning. And then the next day, it's kind of a little bit of the same story, right? I mean, you have yeah, um, you have Grayson Shawnier who goes four and a third. He allowed four earned runs on nine hits, couple uh, five strikeouts, a couple walks. It walks weren't as much the issue for him, though I think – you know, Mike talked about him being terrific or good or whatever he called it through the first three or four innings. He did kind of dance around some trouble and get it, you know, escape from a couple crowded base pass there in the first and or in the second and third innings. I think he stranded two runners apiece in those innings. And then it looks like in the fifth, when things like he was about to get off the field after one run, only one run scored. And on an 0-2 pitch, he just makes a brutal mistake where the thing just catches pretty much all of the plate and Austin for Vanderbilt homered and all of a sudden it's a five nothing or a four nothing game and you really feel like you're shredding uphill with the way Vanderbilt's Hunter Owen was pitching. It's kind of the same thing on Saturday. Do you view that any differently? Do you think there's anything they can do to change things on Saturday or do you kind of view that as is what it is too? Like um, I don't know what else you can do from the starting pitching standpoint. It's a very so, 
I Sorry, I was just saying that the so options fun. do not seem there like they were last year. I think Ole Miss has the best three available guys starting games on the weekends. We can argue the order. Uh, we can argue, you know, what, what they need to do from that standpoint. I don't think that I would take someone out of the starting rotation and insert another human being. I think they've got um, the three people that they need to start games in there. Look, Sonia is going to be really good. Uh, but he's not going to be really good if you just throw him in the bullpen and forget about him. Um, so, you know, uh, you got to work some, through some stuff with him. And quite frankly, like everybody's – I know last week everybody was, you know, hey, let, let's play Sonia, and I understood that. Quite frankly, is who you're going to replace him with worth taking away the experience from the kid that you know is going to be special? Um, probably not. If, if there was that clear-cut option, then maybe, but, like, there's not. There's nobody in the bullpen that you look at and say, hey, that, that guy can uh, – that guy will be really good. There's not the Doug Nikhazy in 2019 who's dominating midweek starts and shoving against Louisville. And you're like, hey, if we just put that guy in the rotation, the guy doesn't exist right now for a month. So um, I don't I don't know if, you know, he's the only option that I think would be to come out of the rotation. Um, and quite frankly, I don't think that whoever you put in is worth um, taking that experience away from him at this point. Because quite frankly, nobody in the bullpen has shown that they're going to be that great either. Yeah, I'm with you again too. I don't, I don't know what else you would do other than potentially switch him and Revis because Revis gave you a little bit more competitive effort there in Game Three. He's pitched pretty well the last three weeks, all things considered. Yeah, Revis was good. I could make an argument that they should switch Revis and Sonia because I think if if I'm on Miss and and I lose on Friday night. Um, Revis is the guy that I want in that role to, hey, go get me back even um, instead of Sonia. I, I think I would wind up switching those. Because that's the kind of game, like, particularly, and I get, know it's a little bit different in game two in terms of who you're going to face on the other side. But, like, that Saturday game, that's the type of game that, like, you need that offense to go win nine to seven or, you know, yeah. eight six or whatever. I know it ended up being seven to two, but somewhere in that kind of mid close to double digits range, that's the kind of, like, territory Ole Miss has to live in and succeed in more times than it doesn't. And that just didn't happen for them this weekend, which puts them down behind the eight ball a little bit. But, Again, another stat that I had written down to kind of highlight the offensive trouble is uh, Hunter Owen retired the last 23 batters he faced on Friday in game two. And Ole Miss had the side retired in order in the bottom of the first inning. And then I think the first guy flew out or something to start the second or Alderman struck out for the Gonzalez homework. That's 27 in a row. The Vanderbilt pitching staff sat out against this Ole Miss offense in a row before they got another base runner from the second inning on the Friday game to the second inning um in the Saturday finale. That's pretty jarring. Yeah, no, no. Um they, they got into a rhythm and um just attack. I, I I thought look, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I thought the pitch clock kind of worked to Ole Miss's disadvantage on, on Thursday because man, Carter Holton got that ball and was ready to go. Did you notice how fast he worked? Yes, but I noticed that a little bit in the SEC tournament last year. Like, I don't know if okay. he sped it up to use it to his advantage a little bit, almost like Scherzer-wise, because everyone's thinking about the pitch clock more. But that dude, he he doesn't waste so much, a lot of time. He's 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 ready to uh, rock and roll. But that that piece of it definitely kept Ole Miss more off balance than they already were against Holton. They that I noticed that a couple of times where they're like, "Damn, he he." It's not a quick pitch, but man, he's no. making sure they don't have a ton of time. Get the ball go. Like, 
Um, and man, when you talk about uh, that, that guy doesn't really, you know, shake or whatever. So the coach is yelling what he wants into the walkie talkie. They're putting fingers down. I mean, they're throwing three pitches in 25 seconds. Um, it felt like, so no, uh, look, Vanderbilt was really good on the mound. Um, but you're going to see a lot of really good on the mound. I don't know if it I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but we looked up and said, Hey man, the arms aren't as good as they usually are in this league. That's not the case anymore. I think it was two years ago. Um, the arms are good in this league. You got to find a way to compete. The, uh, the arms are going to be good next weekend. Brandon Sproat's a stud. Hurston Waldrop's a stud. And the kid on Sunday, Jack, cause I don't know. He, uh, he throws 98 from the left side and hits balls 500 miles an hour off his bat. So he's really good too. Uh, you got to go find a way to compete. That's 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 the name of the game. Ole Miss has to, in, in my opinion, has to figure out a way to win two games next weekend. I think if you leave next weekend one and five, you're kind of behind the eight ball at that point. Oh, I, I I totally agree there. I mean that. I mean you talk about the the front half of their schedule too. I mean that's that 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 makes for really really tough sledding because there's this is also not some sort of finish line type deal with Elliott thing, right? Like. It's not like, hey, he comes back. Like, I think they maybe estimated roughly the state series. And not only is it not guaranteed he comes back then, whenever it is he does come back, it's not like he's going to immediately be or can – Is I know they might expect it, but, like, it's not guaranteed that he's just Hunter Elliott again immediately, right? I mean, I think – This is not – this is not where Kevin Graham comes back from the wrist injury yes. last year and plugs into the four hole. It'll take a minute. I would be shocked. Maybe I'm wrong. I would be shocked if the first time Hunter Elliott is available to pitch, he starts on a Friday night. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think that's how they break him back in. Which is makes what we're discussing almost even more paramount if this team is going to keep its head above water. And not to belabor the point there, but as you pointed out earlier in the show, that's what makes the Sunday game or game three. I'm gonna do that all year, whatever. Bear with me. <laughs> So crucial because, again, like you said, if Ole Miss gets out of their one and two, it's like, damn, they got mowed down by the pitching, managed to salvage one. Let's see if you can go back and take two somehow at home against Florida. And then all of a sudden you're three and three and you're two weekends into this thing, right? I mean, the the yep. getting swept piece of it, I mean, for just from a sheer math perspective for a team that's trying to stay afloat, margin for error is already thin and making it even thinner when you don't take a single game. And I know I'm pointing out the obvious there, but like you said – I mean, even look, like, we'll play the hypothetical out. Had they won the game today and then Florida gets them with better pitching again next weekend and you're two and four heading into whatever your series you're in, that's like you could still see a path because you got some home series coming up in the month of April. I believe you have three of them, but like one and five, it's like, whoa, you really got to make up some ground here. And so, again, I don't know that they're going to have to win one of those Sunday games in that middle range and the offense let them down this weekend. But I don't want to belabor that piece of it too much. Um, Kind of looking at a couple other notes that I had from the weekend on this, you mentioned the defense wasn't great on the Friday or particularly in the Friday game that or Thursday, they had the four errors. It's hard to knock the guy because he's hitting so well. Have you noticed a little bit of a drop off in teams running on Ole Miss and their ability to generate outs by other teams foolishly trying to move on the base pass, base pass on them? They've had a couple issues with that this year, and I don't know what the success rate versus fail rate is, but it doesn't seem like they're throwing dudes out as often as that they've become accustomed to through the years. Maybe I should probably look that up, but that's just something I noticed through the weekend. I don't know if you did too. Um. I'll be honest, I haven't uh, noticed that. I can actually look. I have better stats up here. Um, I will say this. The last two dudes that caught for Ole Miss were really good. 
Uh, and, and Fortes was good too, but the last two dudes in Dunhurst and in, in Cooper Johnson were really, really good at throwing out runners. Um, so, you know, it kind of just, if, if Cal was not throwing out runners at an elite level, it just, it's kind of like that thing when you look at, you remember when Matt Corral played quarterback his first year and Ole Miss fans were just so spoiled, um, because they always had really good quarterback play and they were having to break somebody in. Yes. Um, for the first time, it kind of feels like that. Like you're so used to watching um, Hayden Dunhurst and, and Cooper Johnson do it that, you know, when when a guy like Cal, who maybe doesn't throw as well as them, um, it maybe looks a little bit different. You know what I mean? Yeah, to back it up to some degree, uh, Harris has been run on 19 times. He's thrown out yeah. three of them. Three of 19. That's... No, that's not good. I mean, he's letting 80, 84% steal. That's not great. You would prefer it be, you know, 75-ish or less. Um, certainly not great. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that, that obviously you, you hope to, that he gets better at it the more he catches. Because you got to remember, too, now, this is the first time he caught in, in three years since high school. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's something that he's going to have to get used to and, and hopefully over time gets better at. You had a hitless weekend for Ethan Leger at third base. This has been a very hot message board topic. What do you think the defense against uh, like trying Garrett Wood there for a little bit is? I mean, that guy went from um, starting in Omaha to really not really sniffing much of a chance to play regularly at third base. Leger has struck out six times in – I'm trying to figure this up. Six times in 74, 77 – and 77, 84 bats, six times and 84 bats. So he strikes out at a 7% lift. Um, some of that, look, is bad luck that, that he's hitting what he is. And some of it is maybe he doesn't hit the, uh, hit the balls base, hit the baseball as hard as they'd like. I think that would be the argument is that, that he's putting the ball in play and he's not being overwhelmed at the plate. Um, and that, that frankly, I think they think he's he's got a pretty high ceiling. I thought he's I think he's played a decent third base. Um, I think what's saving him from from staying in the lineup is that he's not overwhelmed and doesn't K a ton. Fair enough. Just something that I had written down from the weekend that's been talked about a decent bit, at least particularly on our message board in those circles. Um, I gotta say, Vanderbilt. I don't know what they were picked preseason in the SEC East, but if that team continues to hit, they're going to be kind of an SOB to deal with, man. Those two guys, particularly oh, Thursday and Friday, were unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how many, like, two three-ball counts they had between Thursday and Friday, but it wasn't very many. I mean, Hunter Owen, like, I had a I had one instance where Ole Miss, fi- or, uh, Ole Miss finished up an inning in the field. I walked outside to go throw away my trash, and they already had two outs in the inning, and then all of a sudden, two pitches later, I sit back down, and Owen's walking off the field again. I was like, I swear to God, I was gone like 35 seconds. I mean, this it was kind of unbelievable. Those two dudes were incredible. And you knew what you were getting with Holton. I hadn't really seen Owen throw before. But, man, if Vanderbilt hits, they're going to be um, a team to be heard from kind of seemingly along with Florida there in the East. That was I was pretty impressed with Vanderbilt. I don't know what this weekend is going to end up saying more of about the Ole Miss pitching or the Vanderbilt offense. But, man, if they hit to some degree, they're going to be tough, particularly given all three of those dudes come from the left side. Yeah, I think that's something to monitor going forward is how they swing it um, going forward. Because if, if they don't – they go back and revert back to hitting like they did, uh, you know, pre-Ole Miss, that's concerning. Maybe maybe they figure something out. But they, they've 
Look, Vanderbilt will always have arms, um, and and they've got three pretty solid ones right now. So, um, look, you're hoping you're hopeful of Ole Miss for if you're an Ole Miss fan that you just ran into a buzzsaw this weekend and that um, it was an aberration that they'll be ready to go on um, next weekend. I will say, looking at because uh, I've kind of perused all three messages, well, two of the message boards this weekend. Um, Ole Miss fans, I, I expected. Like this to be the weekend that that everybody was getting fired and everybody was going to lose their minds again. It wasn't that bad. Everybody everybody was still pretty chill. So everybody's still uh, still okay with the fact that they won the national title two year, or last year. So and, um, no nobody freaked out. <laughs> no, and not that it would really matter that they did. But beyond the fact that you know I saw this a lot of sentiment with state people last year, and I talked about it with some of the you know people that I'm friends with that are media over there where it was like when they were struggling, particularly to begin the year, and I think the end of it kind of wore on them, but particularly to begin the year, it was like, oh, whatever, they won the national title. I think a lot of the the source of kind of the tameness of sentiment with Ole Miss people in that aspect of it too, is you saw them, it was the inverse of like your typical Bianco season, right? I mean, like like Bianco, most of the time, they'd be great in the regular season, and then it's like, oh man, what's going to happen in the postseason? Last year, you saw them dip to as low as you could possibly get, right? The 7-14 and 14 mark uh, at the when they left Fayetteville, Arkansas, was the worst mark through that many games in the history of the Bianco era, and then they won the whole thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. Ole Miss people kind of saw for the first time the other side of college baseball and how you can kind of do that. Now, Ole Miss last year was the extreme of the extreme when it came to that. But, like, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, it's March. Like, you can get swept opening weekend and things will turn out, like, can still turn out completely fine. I feel like there's a patience level that was learned last year beyond just winning the national title, but just like, oh, you mean getting swept by Tennessee in March didn't make that big of a difference? Like, (laughs) three, four weekends in a row, and you're like, all right, you cause for concern. But I think it caused people not to freak out as much about one single weekend, I guess. Yeah. And and I'll be honest, um, I think this team is talented enough to to host a regional and, and do all those types of things. Um, but when you talk about the the unfortunate um situation with Elliott and, and the mallets being down for the year, it may just be a situation where, hey, get this team into a regional and be at full strength when June rolls around. I'm not I'm not, you know, saying that, that hosting's out of the conversation after this weekend, certainly at all. Uh, but I do think with, with, when you look at this rotation and you look at kind of the offense and, and, and everything, maybe the situation where you show up as somebody's two seed, um, and whoever, whoever's two seed you are is absolutely pissed off. And yes. And again, not to make too dramatic of a, um, declaration after one weekend, but given everything we're talking about and kind of the struggles they have and it being someone unknown when Elliot, when Elliot will actually come back. That does look – I mean, look, I don't want to get into hosting conversations again the first weekend of SEC play in mid-March, but it does a little bit change like maybe what you think the ceiling is for this team entering Selection Sunday, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think – especially if Elliott is out and takes a little while to, to get reacclimated, I don't think this is probably a national C team. Maybe borderline host two-seed-ish is kind of where I'd put them. Um right now and, and look maybe i'm dead wrong i was dead wrong on this team last year um but i if you made me guess right now they're the 15 or 16th host or a uh top top ish two seed i don't think they're as bad as they played this weekend last thing i wanted to really get to in terms of just kind of major old miss notes on this is i know i talked i kind of not pitched you the idea but the, we had the discussion regarding of like hey can you take anyone out of this rotation 
and put anyone back in? Do you switch the order? What's the best thing to do? The bottom line is Ole Miss is not getting near enough length from its starters. Even if you're going to stick with the same guys, you've got to find a way, particularly in games one and game two, to get to five, to get you through five, because that really taxes your bullpen and puts you at a little bit more of a disadvantage depending on how the pitching in terms of who comes out of the bullpen the first two days shakes out in that series finale. They've got to find a way to get a little bit more length. But in terms of using Mason Nichols, and, you know, I don't call him, he is the team's de facto closer right now. Um, But he is coming in earlier in games than you would think of a closer. And that's mostly because for the course of the last week, Ole Miss has been, you know, behind in particular. Do you give any credence to the idea of changing the way you use Mason Nichols at all to try to supplement? the link that you're not getting from your starters, if that makes sense. Like, do oh, you bring him in question. on kind of a feel basis, not feel basis, but like situational basis where it's like, I, you know, three, two game here in the six, maybe we're down a run. Let's see if we can get him in to finish this out versus kind of setting the setting it up to get to him. If that makes sense, because it just doesn't seem like they have a lot of proven options at the end of the day, they're going to have to cover more innings more efficiently than they've done. Yeah, I think that'd be a, a perfect way to kind of supplement Friday or Saturday, especially, you know, with the hope being that you're going to score a good amount of runs on, on Sunday. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's not a bad idea at all. I do think you've, you've got to do some, some different things to contrive the most value out of Mason Nichols for sure, because obviously he's your best bullpen arm at this point. Um, and, and didn't really throw a, a meaningful pitch this weekend. Cause quite frankly, once the game, once he came in the game, and I know what Mike was doing when he brought Quinn in, but once once Nichols came into the game, the game was all but over. Um, so so he doesn't throw a high leverage pitch this weekend. So certainly there, there there's got to be they've got to figure out. I'm sure that's the, the the topic of conversation maybe in that office tomorrow is how do we get Mason Nichols to be more involved in in our high leverage situations um, if it's not going to be from a starting perspective. So certainly I think they're going to figure out a way to to get him into more roles and, and more opportunities with the game on the line. Yeah, because that is ultimately what it comes down to. Is like, what is it good having him waiting back there for the eighth or the ninth inning if you can't necessarily get it there? So I'm just curious, like, if they tweak that piece of it at all. Um, you know, we talked about Mike Bianco kind of always seemingly figuring the pitching out. And last year, I think we said, what, a million times? Like, man, this was his toughest test. And then we looked up in June, and damn it, that guy solved it again. I can we rec- I don't know if we recant our statements because it, it was true at the time. C- can we can we can we say it again? Do you think this is per- perhaps his toughest test? Because at the end of the day, yeah. I, I, I'm struggling for. Like, we could at least post theories. Like we had the dilute. We were kind of early on the Delusia theory, and even the Hunter Elliott theory. Remember that weekend he didn't start against Alabama because Alabama was good against lefties. We're like, huh. Not to second guess the guy, that's probably a tactic. No, 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 no. That, was actually the, that was actually the opposite. He did start Elliott. They didn't start Delusia that week. That's what it was. Yes, yeah, sorry. I screwed yeah. that up. That It was it was not starting Delusia after he'd come off that uh, yeah. gym Kentucky he threw right. to open the Kentucky series. Yeah, you're right. That's an important correction. So he – like, do, is this his toughest test? I'll just ask you that. Like, does this yeah, come tougher? Because I don't even know what some of this stuff looks like. We could put together hypotheticals last year, and I'm having trouble. It's probably why this podcast sounds like me grasping at straws. I'm having trouble <laughs> presenting scenarios to you to you say, yeah, that could work or that couldn't. Like, I don't know yeah. what else to say. Well, it's kind of like the point you made. It's like you don't you don't look at this team, and, and it's like – and I don't – Jack Doherty is the only guy that can't – and I feel like that's an issue, right? When you look, when you look at when you looked at Ole Miss last year, even last year when they weren't very good on the mound, right? 
Um, they had dudes that could go pitch on Friday night in the SEC. If you put Hunter Elliott last night on Friday night in the SEC at the end of the year, he'd have been fine. If you had put Dylan Delusha, obviously was fine. You could have put Brandon Johnson. You could have turned him into one. You could have maybe put Doherty. You could have maybe put Mallets. They had dudes that could go take the ball on a Friday or Saturday, and you knew they would be fine. Right now, you've got one dude that you trust to throw on Friday, which tells me you don't have, an, at this current time, you don't have a lot of elite pitching. Um, does that make sense? Like, you don't yes, have the does. options. To and go to, to add on that, it's really what's crystallized with the injuries, right? Because, like, this conversation would be less redundant and way more fruitful if you had a healthy Riley Maddox and you had a healthy yeah. Josh Mallets. And, hell, for good measure, we'll just say Nick Pogue doesn't go pro. If things would been bad to this point, and those three guys are healthy, we could be talking about hypotheticals all day. It's like, hey, could you find a way to start Riley Maddox? Josh Mallett, surely at this point, I figure would have gotten an opportunity yes. to start given the way things had gone. And then whatever Nick Pogue is, he probably projected as a starter. Maybe you're talking about like, hey, what do you do with Revis? What do you do with Sonia? That type of stuff. The absence of those three guys for injury and a little bit of bad luck in the portal is why you're kind of grasping straws, right? I mean, that's kind of... The, Putting the bow on the conversation, a, so, is it not? So I'll be honest. I'm not a, a college baseball recruiting expert, um, and you may not know the answer to this either. Is it possible? And, and this sounds dumb, but is it possible that the two weeks they spent in Nebraska hurt them in the portal? Ooh, I like this. Okay, I don't know. So, because I don't know. Again, this is an unanswerable question because I don't know the inner workings of how that. Like the recruit, talk about. I'm less familiar with the basketball recruiting timetable than I am football. And you talk about recruiting like timetable and how that works <laughs> for baseball. Your guy has no clue over here, and I'm just going to full sure. disclosure, not going to pretend to there. But I saw Jeff Goodman point out a similar thing to what you're pointing out regarding the basketball thing. The portal, like the season, regular season ends, all these dudes on bad teams get in the portal. And Jeff Goodman was like, can this, can we fix this? Because these teams that are in the NCAA tournament are having to have assistants balance their time between NCAA tournament game plans and calling kids while the bad teams can just focus on going and getting those kids, right? Like maybe it did. I, I don't know, but I don't think your theory I feel like it did. is totally because, nuts. Now, does that change a little bit with the draft being what it is? In You know, it seems like post-draft, like you can assess the landscape and be like, what do you got? But still, completely, like there is some credence to what you're talking about. Well, I, I will say this. I know, like, I think you had to be in the portal last year by, like, July 1. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I just wonder if – if because I do know that that is the heavy time for, for recruiting is – I do know this. When they didn't go to Omaha in 2021 um, and they were dealing with the whole Bianco and LSU stuff, Ole Miss was recruiting like mad during that while, while the College World Series was going on. So – and I'm not – look, I'm not trying to make excuses, but – I do think there is an element somewhat of like crap happens, like stuff happens. It just, it, this may be one of the years where it just doesn't work out as far as hosting and being a national seed. And you just hope that you're really good in, in June and, and can make another run. Um, but for, for so long, right up until last year, Ole Miss had had frankly pretty decent fortune when it came to injuries and whatnot for a long time. And, and for, you know, uh, this year, it's just for whatever reason, they've been kind of bit with some bad luck, and it's not anybody's fault. That's the thing. Everybody's like looking around for who to blame for, for not being great on the mound. It's like I don't I don't know if there is anybody because, quite frankly, I trust that Carl Lafferty has recruited good players because he always does, and, and I trust that the guy in the dugout is going to figure out the pitching staff because he always does. 
Um, so when you talk about like, hey, why, why aren't these guys performing right now? One, because they're having to, they're being forced to rely on guys that are going to take time to develop. There's no other, like you have to go through the, the fire and get burned sometimes so that guys can be good. That's just how it works. And usually, and the, the hope is always that you've got more veteran guys that you can rely on and, and maybe relinquish some of that fire and some of, some of the, the, those tough experiences. But quite frankly, the guys that they were relying on, I went and figured this out the other day. They have like 15% of their pitching from last year available. They have like 18% from the postseason run last year available. It's just going to take time. It is what it is. It's nobody's fault. Some people got hurt. Some people went pro, and that is what it is. But it's just going to take time, and dudes are going to have to go through and get beat up a little bit before this turns out to how you want it to turn out. Yeah, I mean, look, the, at the end of the day, they have two healthy dudes that are currently available right now that threw 10 or more innings on last year's team. Yeah. And even if you throw in it, say it didn't happen to Elliot, it's three. And that's yeah. already going to make for a thin margin of error. And then you have an injury, and you end up in the position that they're in. The problem is, is on a weekend like this, where you could kind of save face a little bit if you didn't go win the series and you lost two out of three, the offense let them down. And, you know, a team where the margin for error is already thin, it became even thinner because you weren't able to win a kind of slugfest of a Sunday game. And maybe it's the fact that Vanderbilt just threw pretty da- three pretty damn good left-handed arms and Ole Miss struggled with it, and it's a little bit of a one-off. But, I mean, the counter to that is this league is a bear. And, again, last year – it was two years ago, some, but it was last year too. What you were talking about when we had the starting the starting pitching conversation across the league last year was more injury uh, induced because of the Landon yeah. Sims, because of uh, Paulette. Who was the kid at, at Arkansas last year? It was um, Paulette. It was Paulette last year. I thought that was Paulette this year. Maybe I was wrong. No, uh, uh, Wiggins. This year. Wiggins this year. That's right. Yeah. So and and a couple others around the league. And so that's not the case anymore. I mean, but uh, again, your guy Paul Skeens is putting on like a Heisman Trophy. Oh my God! Did you type watch this campaign? Yeah, dude. It's it's something. I wasn't gonna watch any of that. I had nothing to do Holy with night. the old Miss game was on. I kept seeing Kendall and a couple people tweet about it. And I was like, all right, I'll throw on it. I think I caught his fourth and fifth inning. Who, buddy? Dude, he sat 98 to 100, and that thing was moving. Um, Jay Johnson. Wipeout slaughter. Jay Johnson said, and I get it's his guy. What is he going to say? Like, actually, this dude's not that good. I know he's getting a ton of people out right now, but we actually think he sucks. We just hope he continues this. But he, I mean, look, he said it's the best he's seen since Mark Pryor and Steven Strasburg. Do you know how good you have to be to have a college baseball coach who's been around the block just pull those names out of his hat on a whim? was 90. Dude, A and M can rake, and he made them look silly. I finally saw it come to fruition. A and M wins kind of a wild Sunday game to salvage a game, like similar importance of what Ole Miss was talking about, and it's because LSU finally got past the first four or five guys, like you know, Skeens, the Saturday guy, and a couple arms in the bullpen, and it's like, oh, this offense actually isn't that bad. But on Friday night, you would have never known that. Oh, they looked like they had never played baseball. I did not know A and M won today. How about that? Um, yeah, they who, came who back. Up? They were down four nothing, and they came back and won. I think like nine seven or something. Well, they were down six to four in the eighth. Wow. Um, who does LSU throw on Sundays? Let's see. I mean, I would figure Christian Little was involved somewhere. Uh, but I don't know that. Let's see. LSU threw. They threw Little at the end. He blew it. Um, they started hard. I, yeah, LSU's silly man. They're 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 really really good. That that kid, he's one of look. Um, I thought Casey Mize was absurd. 
hey, he's better than Casey Mize. And, and Casey Mize was really good. But, man, he, he may be unhittable. He's pretty damn good. And that's what, again, that uh, to kind of get back on track to what you're talking about, like that's that's the counter here is it's 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 not going to get any easier if you're Ole Miss, right? I mean, look, I know they had success against Hurston Waldrop uh, last year, but that kid yeah. appears to be even better. Um, and he's at Florida next weekend. You're going to face a couple of really good arms. Um, and then again, I, I don't know. It's just, there, there's really no let up in this league. Did Alabama salvaged that last game on Friday. They played a series that ended on Friday because of a doubleheader. Did you see that? Wait, say that again. Uh, Florida and Alabama played their series was over by Friday at like 7 p.m. Yeah. Ole Miss has done that before. Um, Double Arkansas Decker weekend, from, circa 2017 yeah. at Arkansas, because uh, your guy was there, and then I got back by like six in the morning on Saturday morning. I was like, "All right, it's double wait, Decker you, time." You, but, wait a second, you drove through the night? No, no, no. Sorry, I screwed that up. I woke up at about five a.m. in Fayetteville, and then was back for like all the double decker festivities by like ten thirty eleven. <laughs> That's what I meant. That no, I was not there in Oxford at six a.m. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, that drive coming, particularly that area between Fayetteville and Little Rock, where it's kind of mountainous, your guy might have ended up in a ravine, and that'd just be. I was just gonna say, are 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 you uh are you okay driving long distances by yourself? Um, yeah, yeah. For the most part, I don't love long, long ones at night. Um, okay. I get dangerous with the Red Bull at that point from a sheer safety (laughs) standpoint. Like I'm talking the the absolute like Like fence four or five. Red Bulls. Joe, no, no. I don't need four or five. Just give me the 36 ounce or whatever it is. Um, and just to stay alert. So I'm good driving through the night most of the time. I don't know how good I would have been driving through the night at something like that because, you know, the last hour and a half to two hours, or I guess first hour and a half to two hours, when if you're leaving Fayetteville, kind of go around those little foothill mountains and it's like, hey, if I'm not paying attention here, this, this could get sideways in a hurry, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh... Fayetteville is not a uh, not a fun place to drive to and from. I like Fayetteville. I like Fayetteville a lot, actually. Um, but yeah, you can uh, you can run off the road very very easily uh, going there if you're you're not paying attention. Yes, you can. And I wanted to pull it up a second ago, but I watched a little bit of this Thursday game between Florida and Alabama, and the Sprout kid went nine innings and a one hitter. I knew it was quick, and I knew it was efficient. You got a, he went nine innings, one hundred six pitches, struck out eleven, and walked two. That's what Ole Miss. You got the you got that box score pulled up. Yes, I do. That game. That game took. Oh my god! I noticed this because I was watching it. An hour fifty. <laughs> hour fifty. They were getting it, dude. Like, I kept turning over and Alabama was getting out. Dude, I wasn't paying much attention between the Ole Miss game and the NCAA tournament stuff, but I put it on from, like, the 4th to the 7th, and it was very, very half-assed watching. Holy cow. Well, again, you also didn't have a run scored until uh, Florida put up the pair in the 6th or whatever it was, right? So, like, you're moving – and then Alabama, man, all, hour 50, that's another random note I had. The pitch clock is making these games faster. Um, I was doing Mike's presser before the three-hour mark all three days. Did you? I, I don't know if you noticed that. but And those games drag. Yeah, and if you're making if, – if, you, if, you're, if you're a fan of, like, making the game quicker, that pitch clock seemingly is working. Those games – I'll look up the Ole Miss game time here in a second on all three of those. 
Um, but those, all three of those for Ole Miss moved too. Now, not to that degree, obviously, but um, I don't know if you've noticed that as well, but the pitch clock is absolutely making a difference. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, I mean, the 12-2 doing... run rule game was 240. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Saturday, uh, two, or Friday, 224. I've just got them all up right now. I'll just go ahead and roll through it. And have, Hey, speaking on that, have you noticed, like, any issues with the pitch clock? Like, I haven't seen a strike or a ball awarded in a couple of weekends now. It's almost like they got used to it. I have not. one. I noticed one off the top of my head against Maryland um, that Ole Miss had, and I think there was one issue. I don't remember if it involved Ole Miss or did not involve Ole Miss in Minnesota in a game they were involved in, obviously. I just don't remember if it went to or in favor, but I haven't really noticed anything since. But your three game times, 220, 224, and 240 this weekend. Yeah, that'll play. Um, oh, another random note as we wrap up this discussion. Uh, Vandy Whistler, not dead. Not not dead. He did not die, um, uh, contrary to popular message board belief over the last few weeks. It was a Tennessee reporter troll account, that guy that pretends to be a yeah. Knoxville-based like national reporter or whatever, but it is a troll account. Um I guess if you're ranking the trolls, that's a that's a pretty handy one because that'll get people up in arms. Look, I'm not going to wish ill on people or wish ill on the alive or hypothetical dead. But when I did find out he was still alive, I just thought false report. That was about it. <laughs> I just leave it at that. So, um, so can I say something? I understand at, at games that dude is annoying. For whatever reason, I don't hear it on TV. I know he's there, and if I like make myself listen for it, I can hear it. But if I'm just casually watching. Um, I I don't just hear it. So it was a it was a what do you want to hear and what do you not want to hear situation for me on the Whistler this weekend. I could hear it clearly if I happened to notice it, and then I'd listen, and then I like for the next like five batters I could hear it because I right. like noticed it in my subconscious, and then like list, and then I guess I came to listen for it fading out. I will say there is a piece of the Saturday finale where I flipped on Kellum and Brad Henderson because I had to go pick up food. And it it's not a great time on radio. I'll say that. He, he makes his presence a lot more felt on the radio broadcast. It is, it's not a great thing. In all seriousness, if you're the SEC, don't you have to at some point put a stop to that? They, that's – I mean, yes, if I was running the SEC, but I like college baseball. And I know the SEC doesn't, like, hate college baseball sure. to some degree – but I just imagine on the list of priorities in terms of what they need to get fixed, the annoying guy who whistles like an asshole Fair at enough. Vanderbilt baseball games is probably pretty low on it, unfortunately, for us. I'd elevate that thing to number one. I'd put that at the top of the list. That would be on my Monday agenda. So you're preaching to the choir. I'm not disagreeing with you or, or uh, mitigating your plight. I just, from the eyes of the SEC, I got to say that's a little lower on their priority list. So you're saying if, when you take over the SEC, like day one, we're getting rid of getting rid of that. I would walk into the room if I ran the SEC. We'd have a meeting centered around this. I'd make sure all cameras and recording devices are off, and I'd be like, "Look, does anyone know anyone with mafia ties? Can this be an accident?" <laughs> I won't be clear. That's Brian Rippey saying that. <laughs> Oh God! Um, I, yeah, good lord. No, um, I mean I'm, I'm halfway kidding, but I would. I if I was SEC commissioner, I'd make that a higher priority. It sucks. It ju- it's it just sucks. There's no other that, way. To use it. That's I honest to God root for them to miss Omaha. Well, one because I don't really like Vanderbilt baseball. But he he can ruin 
Then I hear it in Omaha when they're there. He ruins um, Hoover too. Yeah, Hoover's awful as well. Uh, because usually I'm at Hoover and it's like, oh my god, somebody shut him up. Apparently, like an Ole Miss fan, uh, not Mintz, but a couple of years ago, like an Ole Miss fan, like basically slapped him. Uh, he he he's not the uh, he's not the uh. He's not a pacifist oh, by any any phrase. Like if you walk up and say anything to him, no matter how nice it is, it, it's it's like let's drop the gloves, buddy, or let's <laughs> let's lawyer up. Like he's he's very confrontational. Yeah. Yeah. So. Future. Yeah. Um. Hopefully that gets. You know what? I I don't have anything else to say about the Vandy Whistler. I might have the FBI show up at my door at this point. Um. <laughs> Wrapping up the weekend, that was really about all I had. It was just a tough weekend for Ole Miss. The offense has got to be better. Um, and, you know, we'll probably – if Ole Miss gets stifled next – I think you're going to learn a lot about this team next weekend, particularly from an offensive standpoint, because, look, again, as you mentioned, it's a bad weekend. We talked about the offense some and talked about how they're going to have to carry them and that didn't happen this weekend. Just if Ole, if it doesn't go well for Ole Miss next weekend and they w- lose a couple games because they don't score any runs – that's going to warrant a more substantiated discussion mm-hmm. about this offense, is it not? After two quality pitching staffs, absolutely, yeah. No, look, they've they've got to be able to be competitive against quality pitching. It's, it's, we can say it's elite pitching all we want, and it was, but you have to be competitive, and and they weren't this weekend. So yeah, if they roll in there, Sproat, Waldrop, and the kid on Sunday, that I, I still struggle to pronounce the name Stagliano. I don't know. Um, yeah, if, if they come in there and shove it up on Mr. Tail, then, then you're certainly going to be concerned at that point. Um, Looking around the SEC before we get out of here, there were some very, very interesting results this weekend. Um, I'm not sure where you'd prefer to start, but, hey, let's spin the wheel. Lexi Dickens. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet that was random. It was random. Um, so, in all seriousness, just – so we're, we're talking about Mississippi State and University, MSU. Replace the M with an L, right? Just just put L where M is. If if LSU won the national title two years ago in 2021 and then missed the SEC tournament two years in a row and missed the NCAA tournament two years in a row, would that coach survive? No, it's he would not. And we've talked about this, I think, kind of briefly before um, – Optics are going to be a big, big deal this year for 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 Limonis if he if he kind of desired like in terms of like how does that look like does he just change up the staff like if the, and again it's still very early but it man, is. the more and more you watch of that team there's not a lot of hope like I, again if you want to both teams being swept this weekend if you want to do the whole Ole Miss first state thing you put it in different categories because Ole Miss has kind of shown to be more consistent offense at other points in their season. And they, uh, they return a lot more and they've had a couple injuries, but there's more in the cupboard. I've watched a decent bit of state this year and they've had some good moments. Um, you know, they kind of found rallied to find a way to win that game at Trustmark park against Southern. That ended up being a pretty big win for them, but more times than not, I'm watching them and thinking, Oh my God, how is it this bad? I have a buddy, Derek Terry, who used to cover Kentucky. He and I were interns with Kendall and Aaron at D one together uh, many moons ago, he's actually started a newsletter to cover Kentucky baseball. He texted me multiple times this weekend and was like, dude, like, what the hell? He's like, Kentucky's could win one of these games if they just leave the bat on their shoulder. Like, if their entire strategy was, we are not <laughs> going to swing the bat. I swear to God, I think this could be like a 3-2 game. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's it's rough. Again, I'm ranting, but the optics of it are going to be important. 
and getting swept at Kentucky when the finale is 17 to three run rule. That's that that's the kind of optics that get you can. There's no benefit of the doubt there. Holy cow. Yeah. And look, I think Chris Lamont is a very good baseball coach, but man, um, after last year, and I get it last year, they were riddled with injuries. They are not riddled with injuries this week, this year. They're just, they're just struggling. And oh my God, guess who they get to play next weekend? Oh, who do they have? I have not looked. Uh, the the team that just left on us. Oh, in Starkville, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. let me tell you something. Them jokers can pitch. Those jokers pitch. can field too. They won't beat themselves. Um, State stole or Kentucky stole bases like crazy on Mississippi State. Let me tell you what Vanderbilt's about to do. That was another thing this weekend too with Ole Miss. You talk, I, I very much enjoy watching Enrique Bradfield play baseball. I do not. Well, I do not. <laughs> fair enough. You know, in in the in the day and age, particularly at the top level of the game, when it's kind of a three outcome sport, that at the college baseball level, that's the definition of a dude. Where if he gets on the base path, he kind of changes the game. He did it to Ole Miss. He does. It, uh, was it the Doherty outing or the Sonier start where Bradfield? Uh, has the leadoff double and things went completely haywire just because you have to focus on him being on the base path. I think I think it was I think it was Doherty. Um and Ole Miss does about as good of a job as anybody kind of controlling the running game yes. with him. Um Quinn picked him off, Cal Harris threw him out this weekend. Um but it's he's a game changer, man. And, and I didn't mean that as disrespectful to him. I just no, I God when he gets on base he gets on base. It is a menace to deal with um because he is so so good at what he does. He really is. And he yeah, they center fielder too. And I was looking at a statistic today, um, as I was trying to ca- encapsulate kind of where Ole Miss was. And they didn't have a terrible weekend in terms of walking hitters, but it wasn't a good one. Well, either. And I look at the SEC statistics and the whole season, not conference play, because after three games, what's that actually going to tell you? But um Ole Miss was second to last in the SEC in terms of walks issued, and it was at a hundred. And State was 24 behind them at 124. And I was like, all right, this kind of tells the story of these two teams. Well, then I look at the top of the statistics page, and it says updated through March 18, 2018, which is Saturday. So that had not actually been updated in the 17-3 loss yet. State was 24 behind Ole Miss, who was second to last, without whatever was factored in today to their third game. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that's 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 shocking I don't. I don't even know any other way to put that. I. I don't. I don't get how they were. They. They're that poor on the mound. They. They should not be that bad on the mound. Um. They. They've got some dudes that can pitch, man. So. Um. Yeah. I. I, I don't. I don't. Wow. I don't get that. Does he make it through the year? Uh, does he make it to next year? Uh. Yeah. I think so. Um. Because I, again, I think he's a a good coach and, and I think they can they can maybe change some stuff with some assistance and he can make it but I, if you made me guess today I don't think that team makes a regional oh I'm with you too I'll do they make Hoover I Ooh. think they probably make Hoover Missouri's good like, Missouri I, just they, I know we're probably going there next. Missouri's like legit good um they had a good showing at the the big 12 challenge I think this is the year they finally get into the NCAA tournament I'm with you they have two guys that can actually pitch which <laughs> Shocker, like, helps. I mean, you have the Murphy kid, and I forget the – who's the kid that they start on Saturday? I watched a little bit of him in Arlington. Um, but, I mean, they to, to underscore the point, they held uh, Tennessee 
to one run and four runs respectively. And I think that other kid actually went out of the game early with an injury or something. I can't remember what exactly the deal was in that. I didn't watch much of that game. But, like, Uh-oh. that's against Dollander and Chase Burns. Just took the lead in the second half. That's a that's gonna be fun. But yes, um, no, Missouri is legit good. So uh, Ole Miss has to go to Columbia this year too. So that'll be well, fun. And just from the state perspective, in terms of like talking about making Hoover, in your mind, who would have been the other candidate for the worst team in the SEC if you took away Missouri? Um, yeah, I mean Kentucky would have been on that list. I think I think Auburn's playing their way onto that list. I'm not sure Auburn's very good. And what did Kentucky just do? Yeah, they swept. They 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 wasn't just a sweep. Um, outside of Friday, they they kicked state in the teeth. Yeah, so that's going to be fascinating. Uh, anyway, the coach we talked hit on the coach Vitello uh, ejection earlier. Um, he they did get swept. That's that's something. That. That's 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 a shame. They got swept. Um, they can't hit at all. So, um, yeah, all that talent and. It's, I don't get to do backflips when you, when you don't score. So, uh, but no, Tennessee's not, not very good at the plate right now. Um, Dolander had a tough outing in his, his outing on Friday. So, um, no, Tennessee's not that great right now. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can rebound, but, um, I knew, com- I, I, I knew coming into the year they were worried about if they could swing or not. And, uh, appears that, that they, uh, have not been great. Um, they were not going to take I'll be honest, I didn't watch a pitch of that, but it, it, it you don't it doesn't feel like they played particularly well and get swept in Missouri. Arkansas sweeps Auburn, whatever you want to talk about, Van Horn. That guy is a pretty damn good coach. I mean, he loses yeah. a Friday night guy each of the last couple of years and they just continue to roll. Um it's probably probably the reason he and Bianco are the two longest tenured head coaches in the conference. The dude can coach some baseball, whatever you make of him. Yeah, no, he's a very good coach. You um, had wow, Alabama and Florida play a really tough competitive series. Florida best them. I still think Alabama's pretty good. They salvaged that, uh, I say Saturday game. It was this third game that was played on Friday. No shame in getting, uh, in only getting a game down there in Gainesville. I'll be interested to see kind of how Alabama takes shape after they get that series out of the way. They go back home. I don't know who they have next weekend, but I think they're going to be in the mix in terms of kind of that middle to upper portion of the SEC. I think they're pretty damn good. A&M. Salvages a game and a comeback win over LSU to avoid getting swept. Again, I don't know how good or bad AM is. I do know LSU's really damn good. But those are the kind of weekends when you get blitzkrieg the first two games that if you can just salvage that one and avoid getting swept, you can look back up in late May and be like, all right, I'm glad we got that one. Ole Miss has had that happen to him a couple times. Um yeah. where else are we? I think that only leaves Georgia, South Carolina. I have no idea what happened in that series. I, you could have told me uh, it didn't happen, and I'd make sure. Swept. I think South Carolina swept. Could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. They're pretty good too. Yeah, no, they're not bad at all. So, um, yeah, no, South Carolina's had a good year. So, yeah, definitely a few sweeps this uh, uh, start off with yeah, that East could be interesting. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. That was our look around the SEC. I think we'll kind of have a little bit more substantive look at Ole Miss next weekend. It was going to be an important week for this team. We'll, uh, I appreciate the time as always, man. We'll holler at you sometime this week. All right, sounds good, my man. That's going to do it for our show. Appreciate Colin hopping on as always. We'll be back at it 
Uh, at some point Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm going to get a women's basketball segment out of the pod. I don't know how I'm going to package that yet, but uh, we'll be back here in the midweek. Then Connor and I will preview Florida later on. But appreciate you listening to the show. As always, y'all have a great start to your week.